Well, let's go ahead and open the Word. If you've got a Bible, let's get into 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And we're doing a series called The Gospel for Real Life. So we're looking at how the gospel informs a lot of the things that we experience in our ordinary lives. Uh, So this week is the gospel and singleness. The gospel and singleness. Now I'm going to take a minute real quick just to try to tell you why this is important for all of us. I didn't do this last week. I goofed up. Uh, Last week we talked about the gospel and marriage, and so I got about two minutes in, and I saw a single individual just get up and leave. And I was like, hmm, I probably should have said something about why it's important for all of us to consider marriage. Now, I'm not sure what their story was, and I'm sure uh, it probably had nothing to do with the sermon anyways, but um, today, the gospel and singleness, and it's important for all of us for a few different reasons, A a couple reasons that I'll share with you here. One is, even if you're married today, that does not necessarily mean that you will be married indefinitely, meaning you could lose your spouse uh, through death, and that would be tragic, obviously. But you would have to be ready for that moment to think through, well, what does the Bible say about singleness? Or you could lose a spouse through a divorce, or, or you know, the, the, basically, if you are married, this message, message is important for you because you might not always be married. And so you need to begin thinking through, well, what does it look like to be single and what does the gospel have to say about that? Another reason why this is important for everybody in here is because there's a large portion of our population that is single. And as a church, we need to make sure that we're creating an environment where single people could come here and feel as though they are welcomed and accepted and loved and celebrated without the expectation that It's just a temporary thing for them, but really what we want them to do is get married. So we need to become the kind of church that values singleness like the Bible does. And so this is an important message for those reasons. Let's pray, and then we will get to work. Let's pray. Lord, we ask right now that you would speak to us through your word by your spirit. We're grateful, God, for the good news of the gospel, the saving message of what you've done in the sending of your son, and we believe that that message changes everything, that that message has implications for every aspect of our lives. So Lord, as we think today about the gospel and singleness, I pray that you would give us clarity of thought and that you would help us to know your heart and your mind, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to cherry pick some verses from there. It's a long chapter and it's full of all kinds of different teachings, but singleness is one of the themes that carries through 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I'm going to show you two different things that we need to be aware of. One is singleness is a calling. And I'll try to explain what I mean by that in just a minute, but singleness is a calling. And then secondly, singleness has some advantages or it has some opportunities associated with it. So let's get to work one at a time. Singleness is a calling. Verse 7, I wish that all of you were as I am. The Apostle Paul writing to a church, writing to an entire congregation, and he's willing to say this, I wish that every one of you was like me. He's single. He's a single individual doing ministry, serving the Lord, and he's able to look at everybody in light of the things that he's been discussing to this point of marriage and infidelity and all these different challenges. And then he gets to this point and he says, look, I wish every person who's a part of the church 
was single. Now, he's, he's realistic as well, so he's going to talk about the, the actuality of people being married and, and aspiring to marriage and being engaged and those sorts of things. But he's able to say, sincerely, singleness is a good thing. I wish everyone were single. Now, I was thinking about it this week, and I was wondering to myself, is there anywhere else where we would hear a message like that? So I started to kind of run through my mind of commercials and story branding and movies and all the different things and music. And, and I was um, thinking to myself, I'm not sure I hear singleness elevated like this in very many places. I really couldn't come up with a lot of examples. Now, in truthfulness, I'm not a very culturally aware person. So somebody could say, hey, what's that song? And they could do the lyrics and I would go, beats me. I got no idea. Uh, but as I thought through it, I was like, there's not a lot of messaging out there that kind of looks at singleness and says, hey, this is, a, this is a gift. This is a calling. This is a good thing. Now, certainly there are stories and commercials and movies that celebrate singleness for inappropriate reasons. For instance, the freedom associated with being singleness for the sake of immoral behavior. I mean, that's out there for sure. Or there are movies and story branding and things that kind of thumb their nose at marriage. There's a way to talk about singleness that's really just spiteful toward those who are married. But here in the Bible, we get this vision of singleness that I think is unique and beautiful. Paul is saying, God is saying, singleness is a good thing. I wish that churches were full of single people. Isn't that weird? I mean, even to hear it come out of my mouth, it's a weird thing. But, but Paul is saying, I wish you all were as I am. But then he goes on to say in verse 7, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. So he's saying everyone has their own assignment. I wish everyone were single, but the truth is God has appointed people to different assignments, and they're all gifts. One has this gift, one has that gift, but each of us has a gift. So he's talking about marriage, on the one hand, being a gift from God. It's a beautiful blessing from God. But on the other hand, he's also able to say, but if you're single, that too is a gift from God. It's the same word that's used to talk about grace. It's a grace of God. When you are married, that's a grace of God. When you are single, that too is a grace from God. Each are a gift. So singleness is a calling then that God assigns to us. Now, I need to be careful here. Sam Albury is a a single pastor who has actually written a really great book on singleness. But he points out that a lot of times in Christianity, what we do with this idea of singleness as a gift is we elevate it to the the status of uh, exceptional, unusual, and permanent. It's that kind of gift is how we normally talk about it. And when we do that, we actually run the risk of missing the teaching that Paul is doing here. Now, I understand where that comes from. The Lord talks about singleness. Jesus himself talks about singleness. And he uses a eunuch as an example, a single celibate individual who will permanently be that. And then he looks to the crowd and he says, this teaching, if you have ears to hear it, some of you, you might make that choice to be single and celibate as well. So that is exceptional. That is unique. That is permanent. But here, Paul is talking about singleness as a gift in the ordinary sense of the word. You could be single today, but that could change. In fact, if you look at chapter 7, he's, 
he's talking about that. There are circumstances where somebody ought to marry. And you can evaluate that and you can think through that and you can use wisdom and make those sorts of decisions. He also says, look, if you're engaged and you follow through on your marriage, that's not sinning. Your relationship status will change and that's okay. That's a good thing. Or if he uses another example of a person who's enslaved, he says, look, if you have the opportunity to receive your freedom, by all means, do that. But here he's saying singleness is a calling, it's a gift, and and it might just be seasonal. It might be something that you have in this moment, but it could change later on. Or, Or marriage is a gift, and you might be married right now, but that also might change. So we need to begin to recognize that whatever your current relationship status is, that assignment, that is a gift from God. So today, you ought to be able to say, how I find myself, this is where God has me, and this is a gift from him. So he lays down a principle in verse 17. If you've got a Bible and you want to look at it, he gives this incredible uh, principle here where he's telling people to remain in the situation that they find themselves in when they become Christians. I remember studying this on a, in a course on missions, and, and it was talking about how this is a, this is a strategy, that, you know, obviously a God-given means by which we might become more effective at reaching more people. Remain as you are. Verse 17 reads like this, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. This is his common teaching to all the churches. The station of life that you're in when you are called is the station of life that you should ordinarily remain in. You don't have to change all these different things about you in order to be effective in serving the Lord. He says the same thing in verse 20, so he reiterates it there as well. So he's saying, remain as you are. Now, obviously, I've already talked about some of the situations where you might make a change in your relationship status, and that would be appropriate. But God is wanting us to understand that today we can serve him in faithfulness in a way that is pleasing to him. We don't have to change a bunch of things to to have that opportunity. You can leave from church today, and you can serve God in a way that would be pleasing to him. So, Contentment, then, is a key to mission. Being content with the assignment and being willing to look at your present life and and acknowledge that it is a gift, and then you figure out how to serve God in that situation that you find yourself in. So God is not waiting for you to change your relationship status. He's not going, okay, someday I'll use you when you finally get married, or you know, or when your relationship changes. Someday I can use you. No, no, no. God is saying, I can use you today. God is able to use us regardless of our relationship status. He's not waiting for us to change our place of employment. I'll talk to some people and they'll, they'll indicate to me that they cannot imagine how God could work in their present place of employment as if it were an area that were off limits to God. Like, I, have to, I, ha- I can't imagine how God could ever do anything redeeming here. Well, that to me is news. I've not heard of any place and I've not seen in any scripture that there's a location, there's a job somewhere around here where God does not go. He's off limits. That's news to me. But some people think in order for me to be faithful, I would have to change my job. Now, obviously, there are 
situations where wisdom is required and people should change their place of employment, but to suggest that for you to be faithful necessitates a change. I think that, that goes well beyond what God is saying. God can use you today. Or how about your address? Some people look at their address and they go, I don't know if God can use me here. I think he wants to take me someplace new to someplace exotic. And then I think there God could, God could certainly, certainly use me. You know, the beaches of Oahu or, you know, California, whatever that looks like, people are like, there is where God is at and I need to get there. No, no, no. God can use you here in this season, in this place. God can use you in this moment. Or one of my favorite ones is the financial discussion. People will say, you know what? I think God wants me to be really wealthy. Like, right on. And then they say, and here's why. Because when I'm wealthy, I'll be able to bless organizations and missionaries and, you know, nonprofits and churches. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I'm, yeah, I'm sure a lot of us are eager for that day to come when you get wealthy and you're able to do that. But I wonder, maybe in the meantime, God actually believes that he could use your present financial situation in a way where you could be faithful right now. And you don't have to wait for that day to come down the pipe. So anyways, one of the things that we need to learn is that the ordinary situation that Paul is laying down in all the churches is that wherever you are right now in this moment, God is able to use you there. That's good news. That's good news. That means that God, you can get busy today going about the work that God wants you to be involved in because God can use you right now. Well, another thing as we think about singleness as a calling is the fact that if singleness is a gift and marriage is a gift, you can't say marriage is the ultimate gift. Marriage is the main thing. Singleness is a live option as well as a way to, to please and glorify and honor God. Marriage is not the end game. Marriage is not the main thing to be done. When we begin to think in this sort of way, we actually are, in, a, in, in one sense, we're criticizing Paul and we're criticizing the Lord. And we're looking at the fact that they were single and sometimes the way that we communicate about marriage and singleness is, well, I don't care if Paul did it or if Jesus did it. It's not for me and I don't think it's even a good idea. And by doing that, I think we're, we're really running contrary to what the Bible says. The Bible is telling us that there is a way to live a full life, and it doesn't necessarily have to have a marriage associated with it. There's a way to live a full life, even as a single individual. Well, our society, the cultural narrative, this does not compute. This is just nonsensical. Society says, you need to do what makes you happy, and because human sexuality is such a big piece in our society, you have to find avenues to do this. And so when people read the Bible now, they have to fabricate stories. Like maybe Paul had a romantic relationship with a ministry partner, or maybe Jesus was secretly married. And we, we fabricate stories like that because we just don't understand how can somebody be single and be happy? Well, the Bible tells us it is possible because it is a calling and it is a gift. Singleness is a gift from God. And it is a calling that some of us are presently occupying today. Well, secondly, you find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that singleness has advantages. It has some opportunities associated with it. Now, Paul is a missionary church planter. 
he's writing and he's trying to help people think through how can we do a really good job at helping people be involved in the mission of God. And here he's reminding us that involvement with God's mission is the main thing. And you don't have to have a covenant marriage relationship to do that. And in fact, in some ways, you'll be better situated if you don't. So he tells us that marriage has responsibilities and concerns. Look at verse 28. Those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. Listen, the Bible, the Bible's honest. If you get married, do you know what that spells? Trouble. And you giggle because you know it's true. The Bible tells us that marriage is full of trouble. And Paul is saying, I want to spare you of that. Because when you get married, I mean, my wife is my favorite person in the world, and she is such an amazing human being, and she compliments me in so many different ways, and everyone who meets her loves her. Her coworkers, her patients, our neighbors, everybody loves her, but the truth is marriage, our marriage can be full of trouble because it's two sinful people coming together and all of a sudden we realize, man, marriage is hard. And marriage does that. It reveals our own sinful tendencies. When you were single, you can remember back to these days, you were a pretty good person, weren't you? And then you got married and something happened. All of a sudden, you realize, whoa, there's way more in me that I wasn't even aware of. There's stuff that I did that when I was single, it was just fine, but being married, it's trouble. So marriage is full of trouble. Now, if you're single, he's saying, look, you don't have that same experience. You have some unique opportunities here. So being single gives you that advantage to pursue the things of God without restraint. So in verses 29 to 31, he explains that. He's saying, look, regardless of your relationship status, the main thing that people should be concerned with is that they are following what God is up to in this world. And he says in verse 29, from now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. That's how important this is to Paul. That's how important this is to God, that we are living in such a a profound moment that God wants us to be involved in his mission. And he's saying, look, even if you are married today, you should be doing that in such a way that it would look as if you are not married. Now that's confusing, right? And you begin to wonder, okay, Cor, well, what about last week? What about the gospel in marriage? What about how husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church? They're to love their wives and be willing to sacrifice for their good and for their benefit. What about that idea? How, how is it that on the one hand, you're supposed to love your wife and serve and be willing to die for her, and now it's saying, oh yeah, but if you're married, do that in such a way that it looks like you're not even married. Now, did God change his mind? No. Same author of both of these different letters. The Apostle Paul wrote both of those things, and here's, here's what he's doing. He's saying, look, the way that we live faithfully in this world right now is both. You love your wife, you serve her, you sacrifice for her good, you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, and because you're involved in this cosmic reality of God advancing the good news of the gospel, you also do your marriage in such a way that you, that you are following God wholeheartedly. You got to do both. You got to do both. But the single person has, advantage, has advantages then. 
Look at verses 32 and following. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. He's saying, look, I want you to be free from concern, and an unmarried, a single person has an advantage here because that person can be concerned with the Lord's affairs without any other considerations. That person has this freedom to pursue the Lord, like verse 35 says, with an undivided devotion. So he's saying, look, marriage comes with responsibility. If you're married, you have obligations. You have concerns. You have things that you have to do. Like we have a dog, and there are a lot of responsibilities that come with having a dog. So to be happily married, not only do I have to love and serve my wife, I have to love and serve this little pup as well. There are, there are responsibilities associated with marriage, whereas singleness, you are able to do some things that married people can't do. You are able to make decisions. Let me just give you an example. Scheduling. When somebody says, hey, what would you think about meeting for coffee? Or what would you think about going on this mission trip? Or what would you think about this? A single person can pull their phone out, look at their calendar and go, do I have, do I have the freedom or the bandwidth to pull this off? Yes or no? Oh, I can. Okay. They can make that decision in that moment. What do married people have to do? We have to run it up the flagpole, right? We have to check our own schedule. We have to check our spouse's schedule. We have to check the athletic schedule and the school schedule and all the other, other schedules. And, and by the time you get done with it, you're like, well, you know, that's probably not going to happen. But a single person has that advantage, like a lot of other situations that are similar to this, where they can make a unilateral decision. So if God says, hey, I want you to go to this campus this afternoon and I want you to pray for some people, a single person can say, all right, I'm in. I'm going right now. Uh, or he, God says, I want, you to try, I want you to go on a mission trip. And a single person can look at their, their life and go, okay, no, nobody else is, you know, depending on me to live, so I can just go. I can just go and do these sorts of things. And so Paul here is saying, look, singleness then has advantages to following the Lord because you have the ability to serve the Lord with an undivided devotion. Look at verse 35. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Those of you that are single right now and you're in that season that is a gift, I want to encourage you to take advantage of it. You, you have some bandwidth right now that, that might not always be there. And if you get married and have a family, it, it could quickly go away. So in this season, consider your relationship status a gift and leverage it for God's glory. Use it to serve and bless other people. Use it to pursue God with an undivided devotion, with the ability to simply make a decision that you're going to get after following him, come what may. One more quick example. This is kind of a silly one, but it, I think it does highlight the difference between singleness and marriage. My personal devotions, I go through a one-year Bible, and I've been doing this for a number of years, so I, I open up a Bible to a specific date. It's a one-year Bible, so it's laid out for me, and I read an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, a psalm, and a proverb. And I've decided to do that at home. And um, I do that 
on purpose. I'm a pastor, so in a sense, I kind of do get paid to study the Bible. I mean, if you were thinking about what you want me to be up to, I hope that knowing the Bible would be pretty high on that list. So in a sense, I could justify doing it during my workday. But I've chosen to do it at my home first thing in the morning uh, and have made that my habit and my practice for a long, long time. Sometimes I will be reading the Bible, and do you know what I'm actually doing? Sinning. And the reason why is because I have a wife and a family, and if I'm going to be faithful to them, it's going to require me to make some sacrifices. That's a part of the, the gig of marriage. And if I just kind of tune everything out and just study the Bible, then I might actually be sinning against my wife or my kids or my dog. But, but a single person has the opportunity to pursue God with an undivided devotion. They don't have those same considerations. Now, the point that I'm trying to make is this. Every relationship status is a gift from God. Singleness is a gift. Being married is a gift. Being engaged is a, is a gift. So each of us needs to think through how we can use the assignment that we have to live in a way that's pleasing to God. If you are single, you have unique opportunities in front of you. So whatever assignment you have today, God is able to use you today to glorify him. Single, married, engaged, bereaved. God is able to use you. Let's glorify him with our relationships. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you give us a, a teaching in your word that feels unnatural. I mean, I don't think we would have intuitively thought this stuff up, but you, Lord, have a wise and good plan for every single person. And Lord, thank you that the ability to serve and honor you isn't contingent upon the details of our lives. You're not waiting for things to change. You can use us today. So Lord, help us to think through the assignment that we have and to consider it a grace from you. And help us, Lord, to consider how we might live faithfully in this moment in a way that's pleasing to you. Thank you, God, for the gift of singleness and the unique opportunities. I pray for the, the people in here today that are single, and I pray that we as a church would encourage them to use this season well. And we pray this, please, in your name. Amen.